Hi, I'm Rob. And I'm Rob. And this is Ask Rob and Rob. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ask Rob and Rob, the show where you send us in your questions and we deliver you some answers. That format, funnily enough, has not changed after a few hundred episodes. So let's remind you how you can get your questions in. Yep, so easy. 013-808-00035 is the number, or you can go to propertyhub.net slash ask. Leave us a voicemail with your question, just like our first question, Chris. Hi, guys. Chris from Manchester. I wondered if the new appointment of Liz Trust as Prime Minister affected your thoughts on any of the regulation you thought might be coming into play, particularly with short-term rentals and buy-to-lets. Liz Trust and the new chance have seen very anti-regulation. So I wondered if this affected your thoughts. Thanks. Thank you, Chris. Great question. And this goes out on a Tuesday, as you know, if you downloaded the episode and you're listening to this. And we are recording this the day before, on a Monday. So hopefully what I say today may not be out of date. Because if I'd answered this two weeks ago, it would have been out of date. Because so much is happening right now. And because of that, on Thursday, we're going to do a very special podcast bringing you up to date with what is happening in the UK and to its economy right now. It's an emergency pod, so everything will be up to date. So make sure you join us on Thursday for a very special episode of the Property Podcast, where we just try and make sense of this crazy world right now. But to give some value to you, Chris, and to try to answer your question, yes, if Liz Truss remains in power for the foreseeable future, she does seem like a prime minister who's against regulation. That may benefit property investors and the wider property market itself. You could describe her as property friendly. I think the changes to stamp duty tax certainly indicate and show that. And I don't think of all the changes that are happening right now, stamp duty is going to be touched. I think that's going to be left well alone, which is good news for property investors. And yeah, we all want a bit of good news at the moment, don't we? So will this trust be good for property? Well, yes, Rob, I think she will. But will she be in power long enough to make that difference? Who knows? Indeed. And I think it's bold of you to say we're recording it 24 hours in advance. So it will be up to date. <laughs> Things could change in under a minute at the moment. It's unbelievable. But one thing I think is worth saying is that there were rumours the other week about the Section 21 removal being removed. In other words, that all the package of changes that we talked about a few months ago would be more difficult to evict tenants. Tenancies would go on forever, et cetera, et cetera. There was talk about that all being overturned. But then Liz Truss said in the House of Commons in response to a question that no, that wasn't true. It was all still going to be happening. Again, this can all change again. We don't know. But I think we can probably say that anything property related, it's going to be kind of on the back burner at the moment. There are a few other things going on. So I suspect that nothing's going to change imminently. Everything that's on the table will remain there, but progress will be slow while the government is a little distracted. But we will, of course, keep you fully updated here on the podcast. So thank you, Chris. Next up, we have a question in from Alex. Hi, Rob and Rob. My wife and I have about 80,000 each in an ISA. My question is, should I take this money out and invest it in property? I realise that once it's taken out, it cannot be put back in. So it's not a decision to be taken lightly. The reason I ask is that I know a bit about property and not very much about investing in stocks. Yes, I could put the ISA money in stocks and shares fund or continue doing what I do, which is the very risky method of following financial commentator tips. I don't think either way is particularly soundproof and risk-free. 
Yes, the ISA might one day turn into a nice hassle-free pension. I don't have a pension. But property managed by others can be pretty hassle-free too and creates an income. The advantage with taking all the money out of the ISA would be that I could buy a property with 100% cash now, making myself an attractive purchaser, and then finance in due course when the water ahead is a bit clearer. Your expert opinion would be most appreciated. Thank you to both of you for all that you give out to the property investing community. Best wishes, Alex. Alex, thank you. Really interesting question. I'm going to give a maybe slightly surprising answer to this, and then Rob will see if you want to moderate it a little bit. So my answer would be no, you shouldn't do that. But you should consider adapting the approach that you are currently taking to investing. So why should you not take that money out? Well, you've said it yourself, you lose the tax advantages and you can't get them back again. So immediately, any investment that you make outside an ISA needs to perform a lot better to make up for that tax difference. Now, if you said I'm sitting on all this money in a cash ISA and I'm terrified of the stock market, what should I do? Then there'd be a very strong argument for doing something with it because chances are whatever investment that you make, even after the tax differences, will perform better, albeit with more volatility. However, what you've said is that property might be able to create a pension, it can be hassle-free and create an income. Well, you can do the same thing with stocks in an ISA. You can make it completely hands-off, you can focus on investments that are income-producing, and you can take that income out of the ISA tax-free to do something with if you want to, rather than just letting it pile up. What concerns me about what you're doing now is you're following tips from financial commentators, which means you're basically actively investing in the stock market without, it sounds like, being particularly an expert in it or even necessarily having that much interest because you're looking at property instead. So based on what you've said and acknowledging that this is a very small snapshot of your life and your overall situation, I wouldn't be looking at taking everything out and putting it into property. You could, of course, take some out and put it into property to have more diversification. You could also be looking at investing in some property-related funds within your ISA. So you've got property exposure, which you seem to want without losing the advantages you have now. And just look at tweaking the approach you take and educating yourself and making some changes over time rather than doing anything super dramatic. Rob, I'd be very interested to hear if you have a different view. For once, I actually do. Oh, thank goodness for that. It took this long. Which is uh, <laughs> feels like for once anyway, because often we seem so aligned. I don't have a strong view, Alex, on what you should do. So I'm not going to say don't do it or do do it. Instead, I've got more of a framework to help you make that decision. The first is, before you go any further, ask yourself, are you prepared to be a hands-on property investor? Because investing in stocks and shares, or if you go into funds like Rob suggested, is obviously completely hands-off. And that requires a lot less effort and sometimes less stress as well. So are you prepared to put that time and effort in? Even if you go for a property that's standard buy-to-let, you're investing for the long term, you've still got to go and find it, you've still got to get the mortgage... And yes, you will be rewarded for doing all that, but you've still got to do it. So first of all, ask yourself the question, are you prepared for that? If you are, then it will come down for me to a financial decision. And I would look at the numbers and I would go, okay, what can I get from a fund? And obviously you can't project forwards, but you can get an idea, an indication of how funds generally perform. And then go, okay, if I invest directly, how will that perform? And there's two things to consider here. There's the rental return, your yield, as it's often referred to. That's one part, but also the potential for capital uplift as well. So can you get into a deal that you've bought so well, possibly below market value, that helps on the capital growth side? 
and then assess it on paper. You may find when you do that with the type of deals that you're looking at that there's not much in it and therefore the fund might be the better option. Or you may find that you found a particular hotspot where it completely outperforms the funds you look at and you go, actually, I'm going to consider that because I'm also happy to be hands-on. So first of all, decide whether you are up for this journey as a property investor. And if you are, then look at the numbers and see if they're strong enough to force your hand that way. And then once you've done that, you can make your decision. So you shouldn't take it out lightly. I completely agree. And that's why you should go through that process. But you may find after going through that process that you want to be hands-on, or you may find that you don't want to be. But if you do want to be more hands-on, you can still top your ISA back up in the background again. So all is not lost. So I'm not disagreeing, Rob. I would just take a slightly different approach. But I think that's healthy for the podcast, right? About time. Oh, I'll take whatever disagreement we can get. Let's see if we can get a blazing row going on next week. I like it. And Alex, loads to think about there. But that's it for this week. Two more questions answered. And we'll see you back here on Thursday for what is going to be, I already know, a very important and very popular episode of the Property Podcast. So looking forward to that one. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.